Hi everyone, I'm Greg Miller. This is Andrea, Andrea Rene, and today's kind of funny Games Daily starts on a somber note. Uh, this is breaking news literally as we were going live from Kotaku. Uh, Cecilia there reports popular YouTuber Etika dies at 29. Today, please confirm the death of Desmond Etika Amofa. Uh, a well-known gaming YouTuber, uh, after discovering him in Manhattan's East River yesterday evening. Uh, Etika's body was found two days after police recovered his belongings on the Manhattan Bridge. Last week, he had published a video that appeared like a suicide note. Etika, 29, was born in Brooklyn, New York. He began, he began creating videos on YouTube in 2012, and over the course of seven years, amassed a following of over 800,000 dedicated fans across YouTube and Twitch. He referred to them as Joy-Con Boys after the Nintendo Switch controllers. Playing and commentating on Nintendo games for his fans, Etika imbued what was loved with electricity and personality. What he loved with electricity and personality. Etika's charisma, candor, and ingenuity as a content creator uh, launched him into the constellation of internet stardom. Etika began to publicly struggle with mental health last October when he self-destructed his YouTube channel and, on Reddit, made references to suicidal ideation. In April, police detained Etika after he threatened suicide in his apartment. They told Kotaku, citing his, quote, psych history. In May, Etika had an altercation with a security guard or police officer that led to another hospital visit. Last week, Etika published a video, which YouTube took down, apparently saying goodbye to his friends. Quote, it was a fun life, he said. I had a great time. It was great, but for it to be cut so short, it's fucked. Friends and family have been unable to contact Etika since before the video was posted. Since after, you know, since before the video was posted. Reached over the phone today, an NYPD representative offered this comment. At approximately 18, 18 hours yesterday, police responded to a 911 call with a person floating in the water in the vicinity of the South Street Seaport in the confines of the first precinct. Upon arrival, officers discovered an unresponsive, unidentified male at the location. The NYPD Harbor removed the male from Pier 16, where EMS uh, pronounced him deceased. The medical examiner will determine the cause of death, and the investigation is ongoing, end quote. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline in the U.S. is available 24 hours a day at 1-800-273-8255. A list of international suicide hotlines can be found here. And, of course, this is Kotaku's article from Cecilia. You can check it out there. And, of course, you can Google for those numbers as well. Uh, Obviously, not an uplifting story to start with, Andrea, but important to talk about, I think. Uh, You know, I think... I've had the passing knowledge of Etika. I, we've just done a, a you know a recap there, but I remember briefly when some of this stuff was happening and it was trending on Twitter and people were talking about it. Obviously, uh, he has a fan base. I think it goes to show that no matter what you deem as successful, everyone struggles with mental health. Absolutely. And I think it's important, as I've often said to all of you kind of funny best friends and anybody who might be listening, uh, just tuning in for the first time or whatever, you are not allowed to kill yourself. There are people who will miss you. There are people here who need you. There are uh, people whose lives won't be the same without you. And no matter how dark you feel it is at that time, reach out and talk to someone. And I know that's easier said than done, but these numbers exist for a reason. Everyone struggles with mental health. Like this is never the answer. It's just not the right way. So don't do it. Uh, Of course, thoughts, prayers, everything, everyone affected by uh, Etika's untimely passing. Andrew. Greg. How are you? I'm doing okay, actually. This is obviously very sad news to start the day with, but I also want to remind people about um, another organization that we do a lot of work with called Take This. Mm. Their whole motto is it's okay to not be okay. So even if you're maybe feeling like you're not going to kill yourself, but you're still having some dark thoughts or thoughts that you are confused about and you don't know who to talk to, 
Uh, they are a fantastic resource as well. Takethis.org is their website. They have clinicians standing by at all times to talk to people. So as Greg mentioned, you know, there are people who are out there. There are resources for you, even if you're not comfortable talking to your family or friends. Yeah. Um, maybe sometimes talking to a complete stranger about it is is exactly what you need. And and just a reminder that hold on to the idea that it's okay to not be okay mm-hmm. and that you will someday be okay. But it's okay if you're not right now. Yeah, and everybody feels that way at some point in time. So you're not alone. Don't ever think you're alone. Andrew. Yes, Craig. Of course, this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. Uh, if you like that, be part of the show. Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games is where we get all our questions, comments, concerns, everything under the video game sun. You can tune in, watch it live on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. If you're watching live, you have a special job. Go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight. For everybody watching later on youtube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, roosterteeth.com, and listen on podcast services around the globe housekeeping for you uh remember that this sunday is the one year anniversary of kind of funny prom tim gettys is out editing kind of funny prom's giant video right now you'll be able to catch it on youtube.com slash kind of funny you can go watch smash mouth surprise everybody me mary two best friends and tim and gia crowd surf while making out go subscribe now youtube.com slash kind of funny Thank you to our Patreon producers, Daniel Massey, Blackjack, Colton Yoder, and Mohammed Mohammed. Today, we're brought to you by Third Love and Experian, but I'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news. Three items on the Roper Report. A baker's dozen. And don't, don't think that's a small number, Barrett, all right? Some of these are juicy. There's a lot of dialogue to have about them, all right? I'm glad you, I see you got a Gatorade over there. That's going to oh, keep yeah. you hydrated while we talk about it. You ready? And it's going to help me get hype for this first one right here. That's right. Uh, why'd Respawn show Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order that way? Uh, Stig took to a blog while releasing a 25-minute video of everything that they showed of Star Wars, uh, the demo behind closed doors at E3. But if you remember at EA Play, of course, they didn't show all of that. It was hosted by a lovely young gentleman. It, could, it would have been better if he had his co-host. But she it would have been better. She yes. wanted to fake an injury for sympathy is what yeah, I heard Yeah, I totally internet. faked it. <laughs> we love you. How you feeling? You good? Yeah. yeah. Honestly, like today was the first day I woke up and was like, am I back? Yeah. My powers are almost full again? Almost. Yeah. I feel like I'm at like 90%. Maybe 95%. Mm. Are you I'm like the, the Keanu gift that's like, oh, I, th- I think I'm back. From, uh, <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, I'm almost there. Right, good. I like that. Uh, Stig wrote this over on the blog about, you know, Respawn and Star Wars and all that. Revealing gameplay is always a little nerve wracking, even more so when considering our goal of delivering 25 minutes of hands-on footage, not to mention the little point that this is the latest Star Wars game. We spent months going back and forth discussing the best strategy to release this content and ultimately decided for the first look it was crucial to present a focused 15 minutes of raw in-game footage highlighting lightsaber gameplay that speaks to the Jedi fantasy in an empowering way. But it should not be mistaken that our combat system is overpowered or easy. I promise there is a considerable challenge and depth to be found within our combat system. The same can be said about our approach to level design, which is crafted in a non-linear way with heavy influences from games like Metroid, Castlevania, and the Souls series. The game will feature several planets that the player can elect to travel to via starship. On these worlds, unique abilities and upgrades can be found that open up new paths across other planets, making retraversal an essential part of the gameplay experience. This is a lot to describe in 15 minutes of gameplay. Getting hands-on the full 25-minute experience, experience is best to completely understand it. 
With that said, we invited some press to play the game at E3, offering hands-on with the full 25-minute demo. Here are some impressions. He has links, of course, to The Verge, Game Informer, GameSpot, IGN. From these previews, I think it's safe to say that the game isn't as easy as it looks, and our thoughts internally about the game feeling good are closer to being validated. But we are not done yet, and we are continually playtesting to ensure the game challenges even the most skilled player while not alienating those who want to take a more casual approach. And maybe, most importantly, we also want to make sure that the game is delivering on the core promise of becoming a Jedi. Last but not least, we would like to share the full demo video with you. The top of the demo showcases a handcrafted sequence we refer to internally as a Star Wars moment. Midway through, look out for a small peek into our planet hopping system as an example of an upgrade slash acquire, as well as our Metroid-inspired map in action. We sincerely hope you enjoy. Of course, Andrew, after EA Play, not even after EA Play, I guess. What? After EA Play. During EA Play. I'm up there. I'm killing it. Everybody's on the internet. It's like Greg Miller's so great. There was a lot of conversation of these guys look dumb. These stormtroopers are just taken out of the chin. The combat looks combat looks brain dead. Yada yada yada. Then people went behind closed doors, saw the full twenty five minutes, and were like, first off, no, the combat's more engaged. That was a, that when they were saying it's a really skilled player. It seemed like it is a really skilled player. Yeah. Did you see it behind closed doors? No, okay. because they were showing it at EA Play, right, and right. because of when I was able to travel, I wasn't able to make anything that they showed there. Tim got behind closed doors, right, and is just blown away. Comes mm-hmm. on, it's like he's like, it is a Metroidvania. The game's way bigger. There's all this different stuff. He played. He Tim got to play it, right? He's like, the combat is all these different things, and so then the conversation became be- became, and it was last week on our show from the audience cool why are people doing that why show 15 minutes then show 25 minutes and have all these different things out there how does this work marketing wise let alone information wise it's a great question it's actually a question that i posed last year after they did the exact same thing with anthem you know we did this developer panel during the press conference but the presentation they showed behind closed doors of Anthem did a much better job of explaining what the gameplay is and how it's going to work and all the cool things you can do with your powers. So I'm not quite sure why they made this misstep again with the gameplay because I've heard from virtually every person that saw the BCD demo that it blew away what they showed during the live stream. Sure. And I know that they obviously had time constrictions and whatever else that they did, but I would think... If I'm EA, I'm clearly giving Star Wars the priority during my E3 presentation and maybe even give them a full hour to say what they need to say about the game, to show what they need to do. Maybe even do that entire BCD demo. But on the other hand, I also understand that they need to have a compelling reason to get people physically on site at EA Play. Just like all of the developers who are inside E3 doing behind closed doors demos that are exclusive to E3 need to entice people to buy a gamer badge to show up at the convention center to see something that they can't just watch on YouTube, right? Comic-Con does this as well. I think we talked about this last week or something where comparing it to the Hall H panels and why people wait in line for hours to see these things because you can only see it at Comic-Con. It's the same thing. RTX is taking on the chin right now, right? Because they announced they they couldn't come up with a streaming partner. So it's only, I think, the main hall or whatever is getting streamed or having archives and everything else. If you're not there, you don't get it, which is change, which is, you know, a lot of people like it's alienating international fans, but it's also this push and pull of, well, yeah, but they're selling the ticket to get you to come, right? It was right. the same way of like, we, we, know, we, don't, we don't live stream Kind of Funny Live in the past or Kind of Funny Prom, right? A year later, we're putting it out because like, no, we want to incentivize you to come through and do it. Right. For Star Wars, I don't know if it's... what I, I wonder... Obviously, they knew going in that these are two different demos. They're showing two different things. They're in different ways. I don't know if it's as muddled as Anthem was the year before, whereas I think this one, they might have been like, 
Because personally, as somebody who I, I didn't get behind closed doors, I didn't have time. So I only saw what I hosted and what we had done. So for me alone, watching that, I was like, when he talks about, you know, in here, he wanted it to be the uh, empower Jedi fantasy in an empowering way. And this is Stig again. Uh, for me, I'm like, that rings true. Because watching that, I was like, yep, I'm all in on this. This I loved Force Unleashed and Force Unleashed 2. Grabbing the guy, stabbing the guy, throwing my lightsaber. This seems like a great time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love playing this. And I think that initial demo was strong enough that even if you watched it and you came away like, I don't know. They seem easy. It still seems like, well, that'd be fun at least for a little bit to run through, let alone. And then they must have known that. Then you get an IGN, you get all these people behind closed doors. You put the sticks in their hand that they're going to be like, first off, there's more to combat than you think there is. And there's, you know, all these different things. And I, why do it? I think this is another great example. And I do want to have a conversation with you of if you think this is damage control or if this was part of the PR beat in general. But it now is that we had let's even uh, it was a good EA play demo. Even let's say you looked at that and you're like, combat looks easy. It still looks good. It's a seven, right? Which is fine. Then you do that thing similar to Cyberpunk, where they do behind closed doors. People go and see it. They come out and they're like, this is awesome, which then gets you another PR beat where people are talking about it on all the major sites. It's Metroidvania. What are you talking about? That sounds rad. Then there's this hunger for it. And then you get to come out and be like, hey, everybody, now we're actually releasing the whole thing for you to see. And we're explaining more and we're very excited. Do you think that was planned or do you think that is they were looking at it like, oh man, we didn't market it right the first two times? a very good question. <laughs> That's why I'm Greg Miller, number one in the business. Well, number two, Andy is number one. I have to imagine that it wasn't planned quite like this. I... In my mind, I don't see a PR team saying we want to show something that's just good, so that way we can show something that's really awesome three weeks from now. Like yeah. that to me does not feel authentic, fair, right? Fair. Um, but also, potentially, they were talking about maybe holding an embargo or doing additional coverage in the weeks after. But they already are out in front of most of the E3 coverage because of the timing of EA Play. So why not bring the big guns, especially after the year that EA has had sure. and the spring that they had with the launch of Anthem? Like they really needed to knock this out of the park. Yeah. And I think that they had a good showing, like you said. But I, I don't. The chatter that I heard at E3 post EA Play was not like, oh my gosh. This was so amazing. It was, yeah, it was, it was okay. And I think that that's reflective in, if, in a lot of the best of E3 lists that you're seeing at sure. uh, many outlets around. And Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order usually isn't in the top five, and it could have been. Yeah, totally. I mean, given, it was for Tim, right? Tim went and saw it behind closed doors and was like, dude, I, I, Tim was like, I under, I underestimated this game because he watched it. He's like, I don't yeah. like this. No, same. Like, I was pretty underwhelmed by the presentation that we saw during the live stream. No Watto. I'm still, yeah, no Watto indeed. I'm still very excited for this game because I believe in Respawn as a studio and I really loved what they've done both with Apex and with Titanfall. And I think that Star Wars in their hands is a really exciting opportunity. But as somebody who personally didn't get to play it on the sticks, like, it's hard for me to get as enthused. But everybody I've talked to that did get hands on is like, you're going to be so impressed by what you see. So all we can do is take their word for it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I ha didn't have time, obviously, when I'm gathering news to watch it. I'm excited to see the rest of it. I'm excited for uh, Jedi Fallen Order. What I also think is interesting on top of... So I don't, I'm with you that I don't think this was the crafted idea of like, mm -hmm. from we'll do... We'll do that. We'll do the EA Play stuff. We'll do behind closed doors. We'll let it build for a while. Then we'll come out... Because this letter almost seems like it's apologizing for how they did it in the way I think Stig talks about it when he gets in here where he's like talking about the 15 and the push and pull of the 15 to 25 of like yeah this wasn't the right way to do it maybe 
So we want to get this out to you and blah, blah, blah. I think that that's interesting that they're a lot that they're doing that, which is uncommon. I think for as we, I mean, we brought up to Anthem, right? And like how much Bioware talks to the community on this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's also notable that in an official release, an official thing, they're talking about Metroid Castlevania and the Soul series, right? Which is another thing that I would think EA would be like, don't do that. Well, that's the thing that I I think they really struggled with this year when they were trying this new format for EA Play's live stream versus a traditional press conference, is saying like. What do we want to give to our fans who are tuning in to watch? How do we balance giving like deep dive looks with all of the gamer jargon that comes along with it for hardcore fans who are watching video game coverage every day, who like watch this show every day, right? Mm. Uh, versus the people who are just tuning in because it's E3 and it's EA Play and more importantly, it's Star Wars. And so you're getting those more casual fans who maybe don't know what even uh, Castlevania is as a franchise, right? And they definitely don't understand the parameters of what a Metroidvania is. And so them kind of having to balance, how do we speak to those people who are just casual Star Wars fans that are interested just because it's Star Wars and the people who are like the super uber nerds on the other side that want all of the details, right? And so they were trying to straddle that line clearly. And I think that they potentially missed the mark. Mm, Interesting. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me know what you think of that 25-minute demo up now. Number two, Andrea, as if you read the the rundown and knew what was coming <laughs> next. The Game Critics Awards have announced their best of E3 2019 nominees. Of course, Andrea and I are part of the Game Critics uh, Association. Is that what we call it? I don't even know. Judging panel. Uh, well, yeah, we're, we're, we're judges. judges. When, yeah. we go, when we talk about Judges Week, this is what we're getting down to vote to, the right? Game the Game Awards, Critics yeah. Awards, right? Run by Jeff Keighley. Uh, we have a whole bunch of rundown. There's way more awards here than I put. I just put the most notable ones up here. But bullet points from it the outer worlds leads with four nominations including best of show and best original game games with three nominations include borderlands 3 control doom eternal final fantasy 7 remake john wick hex luigi's mansion 3 star wars jedi fallen order watchdogs legion and wolfenstein youngblood microsoft is the most nominated publisher with nine nominations followed by nintendo with eight and bethesda with six pc is the most nominated platform with 54 nominations followed by xbox with 45 nominations and playstation 4 with 43 nominations there's more details of course and the entire run of uh, nominees at GameCriticsAwards.com. so the best of show nominees are borderlands 3 mm-hmm. doom eternal mm-hmm. final fantasy 7 remake star wars jedi fallen order the Outer Worlds and Watchdogs Legion. I think that's a great list. That's a great list. Who's your pick to win? Uh, my personal game of show was The Outer Worlds. Oh, nice. Great yeah. game. I'm very, very excited for The Outer Worlds. But I don't want your personal game of show. What <laughs> Betting, what do you think is going to win? If I had to bet, yeah. I would guess Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to win. You are a smart cookie, Andrew. <laughs> that's what I'm betting as well. Uh, best original game, 12 minutes, Bleeding Edge, Control, John Wick Hex, The Outer Worlds. There, I'm going to say... Oof, that's a tough one. And again, I'm in the tank for 12 minutes. Remember, success story. 2015, they came by. Luis came by and showed that game to us. I might have just butchered. Wait, his name, are, I is the Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening and Watch Dogs Legion also in that category? No. Well, you're looking at that thing, but I believe the way the, the thing runs is that's act, best action adventure game. Oh, it bleeds over that okay. Way. I put them into columns, but it didn't help make it any less confusing. <laughs> but yeah, that bleeds over. 12 minutes. I'm in the tank for, and I think it had a great showing, but you didn't like, you know. It was up. It was a great trailer that everybody get around to playing. Right. I, I, I would think Outer Worlds. Maybe on, John Wick. Honestly, for best original game, I would go with Control here. Really? Um, I think... That's your pick of what's going to win. Like, yeah. that's what you're betting. Well, I mean... I love Control. Don't get me wrong. It's tough because the best original game category... Let me pull up 
Let here me we pull go. up the here description. The here description. Andrew and I pushing up her glasses, nerd over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, this is the important part, though. Because just jump. Just make a bet. Who cares? How dare you? Um, the best original game. Open to any game on any platform, regardless of genre. The game should be nominated for ambition, newness, and creativity with a bias mm. towards actual gameplay innovation. Don't fall mm. for the trap of a cool concept that sounds innovative. Um, so the thing that makes me think Control here is doing something more innovative than these others. I mean, in, in fairness, I didn't get to play or see John Wick Hex, it's so really I've, heard, really, really I've heard really good things. Um, so from my personal experience, and the, the girls, of course, we vote together as a unit, so they've seen a bunch of the other stuff. So we have a, a, a more diverse voting um, jury. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we break it up the same yeah. way and stuff. But um, Tim's just like, vote Nintendo. I'm like, get course. out of here. <laughs> Kick him to the curb. Um, I just like the gameplay from Control and, and from Remedy is something that I've never seen before. Mm. This idea of uh, the way that they're doing the progression with the weapons the and then the gun, progressions yeah. with the powers yeah. and um, the supernatural elements that are in it, I sure. think are really unique. And I think they did a really great job with it. So that's who you're betting. Yeah, because like as much as I love the Outer Worlds, obviously it's my game of show. It's just another. It's a. It's Fallout New Vegas. They're not really doing anything super innovative there. They're just doing it really well. Based on what you've read, I'm voting John Wick Hex. Okay. I think I think that that's gonna steal a lot of hearts because it was amazing. I mean, it was. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. It's great. Yeah. It's it's you know a, a, one, a single person XCOM walking through and then at the end you let it all play and it's really really cool. Mike Biffle, I'm also in the tank for it, though, everybody knows. Obviously, uh, he's best, paying you to say that. <laughs> yeah, his uh, support on Patreon for volume has carried over. <laughs> what is it, three, four games later? Best action game. Uh, Borderlands 3, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Doom Eternal, Gears 5, Wolfenstein Youngblood. This is a really tough category. A very tough category. Um, I obviously think Borderlands is probably going to win it for me. But Doom Eternal seems like it's the favorite of the other judges I, I spoke to. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, that's my pick too. In terms of betting, if mm -hmm. I best action game, I mean, I love Borderlands Three as well. I think Modern Warfare is doing a lot of really interesting things, controversial things. Right. But that's also why I like action game makes it sound like ah, we're having a great time, not mm -hmm. like should I kill this terrorist with her baby? <laughs> yeah, and without a full multiplayer reveal from Call of Duty, I think it's going to lag behind in these other titles, and that's sure. just an unfortunate set of timing for them and. And Call of Duty sadly never really wins any of this stuff because people don't think of it. But I think, you know, Infinity Ward is doing fantastic work on that title this year, and I can't wait to see more. Yeah. But I mean, Doom looks real good. Now, real quick, I want to clarify stuff here. The nanobiologist in your wrong says, Greg, you said you're voting for Final Fantasy VII Remake for Game of the Show from judging, but you voted for and strong arm Snowbike Mike into making Cyberpunk kind of funny game of the show. Again, this is not our vote. This is our prediction of what will win. We are betting on what will win. Also, I need to make a clarification. The Games Critics Awards are only open for nomination for games that had a hands-on playable experience at point. the show. That defining factor dramatically alter some of the categories because cyberpunk was not eligible for any of these uh, main categories here. There are a couple special commendation categories it was eligible for, but because they did not provide the judging panel with hands-on opportunities, it was not eligible for nomination. So shut the fuck up, nanobiologist. <laughs> oh! I, I'm sorry, am I wrong? No, you're not. Thank you very much. Also, I didn't realize 12 minutes was playable there. I missed it. That sucks. Yeah, I, really I didn't wanted get to play, play the new either. One. Best action adventure game. Control, Luigi's Mansion 3, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening, Watch Dogs Legion. This is a tough one, too. <laughs> I'm betting it's going to be Legend of Zelda. 
No way, dude. Yeah, really? I do. Uh uh-uh. uh. I would guess this is between Luigi's Mansion and Watch Dogs. Yeah. I mean, I've, my, for me, I think I'm betting it's between Zelda and Watch Dogs. But I think Zelda, uh, you know, people love little baby Link. Yeah, man. I do too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking him. Just saying. Uh, I really hope Watch Dogs wins this. That's, I think what they're doing is really cool. Me too. Oh my! Again, this is not my <laughs> personal vote, Andrea. Watch Dogs blew my freaking mind. Fucking Zelda always takes the awards. So what you're voting is that? Are you you're betting Watch Dogs? What are you betting? No, I'm betting Watch Dogs will take this. Okay, then there we go. Let's, you know what's on the line too? Hmm. An Olive Garden lunch, you and me. Hmm. Whoever comes up with the most right here has to pay for the other person. And maybe Barry can come too. Are we doing all of them? Or just the ones you have here? Just the ones I have okay. here. I feel okay. like. Best role-playing game. Dragon Ball Z. Karakawak. Final Fantasy 7 remake, <laughs> Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Just stop reading. I know, you know right? Final it's Final Fantasy, Fantasy right? Yeah, okay. win this. There you go, Craig. Andrea, we both figured out. So that we one. had a tough time when we were uh, looking at the Outer Worlds going, should we put this in an action adventure category or should we put it in an RPG category? And because it's against these other amazing Japanese RPGs, I think it's just never going to just stand, stand a chance. But I mean, Obviously, I really like it, but no, Final Fantasy is going to win that category 100%. for sure. Best family social game, Fall Guys, Luigi's Mansion 3, Mario and Sonic at the Olympics, oh, at the Olympic Games Tokyo 2020, <laughs> Minecraft Dungeons, Pokemon Sword and Shield. I think this is a toss up between Minecraft and Pokemon here. Um, I heard nothing but fantastic things about Minecraft Dungeons. Um, obviously, Pokemon's Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'm going to go with... I think I'll go with Pokemon Sword and Shield. I'm wow. going to bet that more judges played that. See, and that's where it gets interesting. Yeah. Because I know for a second I'm voting with my own personal thing mm-hmm. here. I think Fall Guys is going to pull it off, yeah. pull off the upset. There's a lot of people like, it, I, it's been slowly taking over the internet. I loved Fall Guys. Yeah. Got one of my Game of the Show awards. And so I'm really hopeful for them. And I, But at Minecraft Dungeons, I didn't play either. And that's the game I saw in the preview. And I was like, this looks like a total Greg game. Yeah. So I don't know. That I think my, I, I'm, gonna, I'm voting, I'm saying my prediction it's Fall Guys, but I could easily see it being Dungeons, and that's what loses me the Olive Garden. <laughs> Best online multiplayer, Bleeding Edge, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Gears 5, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Wolfenstein Youngblood. Where was Modern Warfare playable multiplayer? Um, it was a playable in our off-the-record session that we can't talk about. So why is it in here? Are we allowed, is it, but can we vote on that? I don't honestly don't know how it qualified for this, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> we can't talk about it, but it was, huh. I have, I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I I'm going to say Wolfenstein. I think the co-op in Wolfenstein is cool. I don't think it wins here. If I have to pick from these, I'm definitely picking Call of Duty. <laughs> but I don't understand how they got there. I don't know either, Greg. That's I the same to, thing. Was 12 minutes playable? I feel like I have to message Jeff and be like, so, um... Uh, what's the deal with this? Can we talk about this? Because if I can vote for Call of Duty, I'm absolutely voting for Call of Duty. All right, fine. I'm putting that there too. Because <laughs> I agree. Because it was really good. Just what the, I don't understand how that was. Best independent game. 12 minutes. Carry on. Fall Guys. John Wick Hex. Sayonara Wild Hearts. What a fucking lineup right there. What? I, I'm not familiar with Carry On, I don't think. Oh, wait. Maybe I am. I am. Oh, no. Okay. What a fucking lineup of games right yeah. there. They are all awesome. Shit, that's a tough one. I'm going to pick John Wick Hex here. Yeah, me too. That sucks. But 12 minutes, I think, w- is is a, is a strong contender. Fall Guys is as well. But what's I'm not saying any of these are bad contenders. I'm saying for who's actually going to get the most votes. Barrett, will you roll back the footage? 
That's what I thought. She just she said, "Fuck, sign our wild hearts." I heard it. How dare you, Andrea? Corey, make the gift. I didn't say it was a bad game. I just don't think it's gonna win. Yeah, I don't either. And I and that's my thing with Fall Guys is I don't think when you get down to best independent game. Here's why I think I picked Fallout Fall Guys to have a shot with Family Social. Because who the fuck cares about most of those other games in that in that with that lens? Yeah, Luigi's Mansion Three. I can't wait to play, but Family Social. Yeah. I don't know about that. You know what I mean? So what I vote for it there. Did I play Minecraft Dungeons? Everybody's talking about Fall Guys. I vote Fall Guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm some moron over at GameSpot and Lucy James. I'm like, bam, just punch the bow and walk away. I'm not a moron, Lucy. I love you. You're okay. great. Uh, yeah, I think John Wick Hex has enough juice for independent game to win. Yeah, I think it wins. And then best ongoing game. This is for a game obviously released. Uh, this is also beforehand. a tough one because I didn't know if they had to have something at the show to Me be too. nominated or not. Des- Destiny 2, Final Fantasy uh, 15, Fortnite, Monster Hunter World, Tom Clancy's The Division 2. This is a toss up. Because again, yeah. I don't know what I want. I mean, I think the top three games are really the only contenders here. I, as much as I love Monster Hunter World, they don't add enough content for me to classify them as an ongoing game. Um, Interesting. I would. I mean, I, I, they've done, what, two updates? Maybe three? Sure. I like big stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I would say... Kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. That's a perfect and, one. And Tom Clancy's The Division... Don't you fucking... Ha- no, I'm saying as far as voting, obviously I love The Division. I play a ton of it. Um, I just don't think that they have been out long enough to really truly compete. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, obviously my personal favorite here is Destiny, but I think it's probably going to come down between Final Fantasy and Fortnite. With Fortnite maybe edging out Final Fantasy fourteen, though. Oh gosh, this is you got to pick. You got to vote. Okay, I'm going with Fortnite. Okay, I think Fortnite's gonna win. And my my prediction vote, not that I'd vote for it. I think it's gonna be Monster Hunter World. Yeah. Because I think it's like Iceborne was so cool and people played it, and I think that that we gonna... nominated it for several things. Sure. Oh, show, I loved yeah. Iceborne too, but I think I think that's what's gonna get it for people. Okay. I'm looking forward to you buying me Olive Garden, Greg. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, those f- unlimited breadsticks will be me. For me. Uh, number three. I mean, really, we both win. That's true. We're going to Olive Garden, everybody. When yeah. you're there, you're family. Number three, we have Cyberpunk Tidbits. These are all from Matt Perslow at IGN. Hey, Andrea, did you know that Cyberpunk 2077 is based on a pen and paper RPG? I learned that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Man. we have to talk about it in Gamescast this week. As we said it, where I was like, is that based on anything? And we we're like, I don't think so. And I was like... Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm not confident I'm enough. In that. Uh, I guess I was just like surrounded by nerds when Cyberpunk was announced. Yeah. So all I heard was about like the tabletop RPG and all that shit. My so thought. My thoughts that was on so it. So long ago, though. Yeah. My <laughs> thoughts on it were, and I like I talked to some kids on Twitter about it last night. Is that I, I in both the E3 demos, which is I've got, it's like see Project Cards making Cyberpunk. I'm like, yeah. cool. I'm not going to chase every tidbit. I want to see it and play it. I don't remember either one of the demos mentioning it. Not that they didn't or whatever, and it doesn't yeah, really yeah. matter. My, but my other thing, even when we were talking about it in, on Gamescast, when it came up as a blip of like, wait, is it is this like a CD Projekt Red's it, yeah. own thing doing? I was like, even if it was based on something, which I thought, I was like, it's not like the Witcher books, right? Where like Geralt is the star of the well, Witcher well, books. Well, Johnny Silverhand is a character. Everybody t- and that yeah, was my yeah, yeah. thing is everybody's like, no, like pe- people in Cyberpunk 2077 are from the pen and paper. They're like, oh, all right, well, we just totally fucked it up. We're idiots. Nah. Why even watching the show? You know what I mean? <laughs> Everybody go and unsubscribe to What Goods Games. Unsubscribe from their Patreon. Just, just abandon How them. dare you? How dare you? you <laughs> Why don't you unsubscribe to us? You take it back. <laughs> of course I take it back. Everybody go over there and subscribe. Anyways, Matt Persler from IGN has a whole bunch of different bullet points on Cyberpunk. He's pulled from various sources. Let's get into it. Upcoming RPG Cyberpunk 2077 will not feature a morality system that categorizes your character as good or bad depending on their actions. Talking to Gaming Bolt Quest director Matsuya, and I'm going to leave it right there, said, quote, we don't have a moral... A mor- 
Matsuya. Morale system per se. Uh, however, to complete Cyberpunk 2077 non-lethally, you have to be very good at stealth. Invest in points that allow you to stealth better. Use weapons that will allow you to incapacitate the enemy instead of killing them to make the moral choice to make the moral choices that will allow you to avoid killing people throughout the game. End quote. With this in mind, it appears that Cyberpunk 2077 will allow you to make moral decisions, uh, but those choices will not be categorized and counted in the same way as, for example, Mass Effect's Paragon and Renegade System do. Excellent. I hate that. I hate when it's black and white. Even in Infamous, it was like, well, shouldn't I just make the choice at the beginning of the game and then I never have to do this again? Because after I've gone eight hours, four hours of making good choices, why would I suddenly make the bad choice? Well, you're going to have a fun time with the Outer Worlds then. I know, that's my favorite thing about the Outer Worlds. (laughs) Uh, Lead quest designer, uh, Powell Sasko, answered another question via Twitter, uh, direct message, and this time it was focused uh, all on how important romances will be in Cyberpunk 2077. Posted on Reddit by McGee Red, one, two, three, four. Red. Nah, McGee. Okay. Sasko confirmed that romances will be returning in a similar fashion as they were seen in The Witcher 3. As explained by Sasko, uh, there will be whole plot lines regarding character, and if that NPCs were treated well and interested in Geralt, something was happening. According to Sasko, this will be very similar in Cyberpunk 2077, and of course, players will have way more options than only heterosexual, as it was in The Witcher 3, parentheses, as Geralt was defi- a defined character that was only interested in females, end quote. Uh, onward, oh, I've, again, that's awesome. I, want, I like that uh, the, how I'm treating somebody makes it if I have a chance at, you know, hey, you, you want to knock boots? I'm some kind of weird robot. I don't understand. You know That's what I mean? generally how romance systems work. Yeah. I know, but I know, but I, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean? You know how you, you sometimes you only have like certain options, certain people you can romance True. or whatever. Yeah. I like the mass effect of like, sure, I'm building for three games to fuck this person or I now have this assistant. She wants to get in the shower. I'm going to watch her in the shower. Remember that scene? Remember that scene in mass effect? No. Really? So hot. Oh, are you right? talking about Suki? Suri? Suri. I, I'm definitely not that much of oh a Mass Effect No, I know exactly. Okay, I know exactly. But it was Mass Effect yeah, 2, you know. Mass Effect 3, where it was like, Mass Effect 2. Suvi. It was Suvi. Mass Effect 2 when I, I come back and I've been reconstructed, right? Yeah. Yes, I that's I think that, I'm pretty sure it was that one, right? Where oh, I was like, she wasn't in that one. Then it must have been Mass Effect 3. But I just remember yeah. having like a glass of, my, my femme chef having a glass of whiskey and just watching the girl in the shower. I was like, oh man. This is hot. Bioware knows what's up. <laughs> uh, all right, number th- three on the bullet points here from Matt. Cyberpunk 2077's lead designer again. Oh, uh, it was Poem. an Andromeda. Sorry. Oh, that's a different person. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. That, this for sure was my femship. Okay. Uh, Sasko has hinted that a new game plus mode may be in the works for the highly anticipated game from CD Projekt Red. Via Reddit again, user Captain G. JB direct messages Sasko on Twitter and asked him if it would be possible to have characters to have a character with every stat slash ability maxed out or will be closer to the Witcher 3 in that there's limited upgrade slots. Sasko answered that while they are working on character progression and it may change in time, quote, most likely it won't be possible to max out everything on one playthrough as it would have little sense to how a have a game that is about replayability and choices while in the same time allow players to max out all the stats on the first run, end quote. I'm, uh, this is bothering me now. I have to find out who. Oh, was it Samantha, the communications officer? Yeah, it was just some like NPC that like you. It wasn't like you know I wasn't taking her on missions or anything. She was just always at the desk, and I would talk mm-hmm. to her. And then yeah, Samantha Trainer says uh, capitalist pig in the chat. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Okay, it's hot. Everybody Google that. You know what Gosh, I mean? Now I want to go play Mass Effect. I know, right? But think about how close we are to uh, Cyberpunk, and that's oh, it's we're good definitely too. not close to Cyberpunk. It's next year. It's not that far. If it doesn't get delayed, which I don't really believe. <laughs> At least the Outer Worlds is close. Borderlands Three is close. Yes. 
There's no romance in Borderlands. I know, but I'm just talking about RPGs. It'll take up all your time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 everything they're talking about with Cyberpunk in these three bullet points from Matt at IGN gets me even more excited for Cyberpunk. Yeah. Especially this. I'm I done. mean, I don't. I'm not the with giant lengthy RPGs. I'm definitely I roll the credits and I'm like, that was my character in my playthrough. I don't usually re-roll another character and go through and do the different stuff. I'd not rather, if they're really massive. Yeah. And so I like, contemplated I it with Skyrim and then I was like, no, nah, I can't. <laughs> yeah, no. And so for this one where it's like the last one here talking about like, uh, you know, you won't be able to max everything out on one playthrough. I like that. I like that I've built my character. That's my uh, one of the most exciting things I think about Cyberpunk is like when that first weekend when it's over, when you and I talk about it of like, what did you do? And how did you? Oh, my God, you're building out that. Well, I didn't even have that. And who did you save? Who did you kill? What happened like this? That's what it's all about. Yeah. Renee. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was your Cyberpunk Minute. Uh, Andrea? Yes. I am excited for Cyberpunk. I am excited for Borderlands. I am excited for Patapon 2, wherever it is. Nobody really knows. Thank you, Barrett, for the clap over there. Uh, but all those games are apparently so far away. If I wanted to know what came to the Mom and Grop Digital Shops, where would I go? You would go to the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform, as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show hosts each and every weekday. Do 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 Yeah. Out today. Let's talk. Rockstar first. Starting today, all Red Dead Online players can jump into the last stand and make it count Ancient Tomahawk Showdown modes, both previously included in PlayStation 4 early access content. Additional early access content, such as the Ancient Tomahawk, uh, Perlino, Adaluza Horse, clothing, and emotes are also now available to all players. Uh, there's additional details for stuff's coming, like uh, new clothing, ability card XP bonuses, item discounts, and a requested reset feature for character appearance and more. Samurai Showdown is available for Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Uh, Sega has announced pre-registration for Fist of the North Star Legends Revive, an action RPG planned to release on iOS and Android later this year. Star Trek Online Rise of Discovery is now available on consoles. Uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night is on Switch. Judgment is on PlayStation 4. Car Mechanics Simulator PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, Monster Jam Steel Titans PlayStation 4 Xbox One. Medusa and Her Lover PlayStation VR. Uh, we the Revolution is on PlayStation 4, Switch and Xbox One. Uh, Super Neptunia RPG is on Switch. World of Warcraft Rise of Ashara is on Mac and PC. And then Moss is getting uh, Twilight Garden, a free update and a brand new chapter for the PlayStation VR. Uh, worth pointing out, number one in there, Judgment's out today. One of the games I was very hyped for. I had, obviously, E3 right before it. You got a code. Played through chapter one, and it didn't grab me the way I wanted it to. I like it. It's Yakuza meets Phoenix Wright meets like you know, we like almost L.A. Noir, right? Of having to piece together and make the right kind of conversation choices. It's a little. It's, I don't think you could really fuck it up like you could Phoenix Wright or fuck it up like you could L.A. Noir. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I need to play more of it because I got through chapter one in a very busy time, and then obviously went to three and played a bunch of other stuff. And now it's like I need to get back to it to see. I saw Jim Sterling when the preview uh, embargo lift say he's glad he stuck with it, like it didn't grab him at first. So I need to give it more time. Still. Uh, it's still the Yakuza fighting engine. It's still running around, having all the options to go do it. It's cool. It's interesting. If you're a Yakuza fan, for sure. I'm trying to figure out if it transcends that, though. And I don't have a report for you yet. However, if I may, I'm going to pull a question from Reader Mayo, where JBR writes in and says, What's good, Greg and Andrea? Bloodstained Ritual of the Night has been out for days now, and I haven't seen any reviews from IGN or GameStop. That's what he says. GameStop. Game he means probably. spot. He means spot, yeah. but he says GameStop. Or even you guys, for that matter. Have you played it? If so, what do you think? I started it last night, and it's a gorgeous game. I'm impressed with the lighting and the sense of ambiance in the world. Haven't played a Metroidvania in a while, so really enjoying it so far. Smiley, what do you think? Have you played it, Andrea? I have not. Do you plan to play it, Andrea? 
I was going to wait to maybe check it out until they fix this weird game-breaking bug thing, which maybe they've done. This is uh, a kind of funny.com slash you're wrong moment. I believe they already put that update in. They did? I think so. All right. Cool. My thoughts on it is I'm not a big Metroidvania guy. Me neither. I, I turned it. I had gotten my code again right before after E3 and right before going to Quebec. So I installed it. And little known fact, mm. the kind of funny logo is in there as an unlockable face for the character. Ooh. And I did that. What you do is when you start a new game, you put Team Fat in all uppercase. You start a game with that as your file name. You unlock the face and your equipment. However, I reported it as a bug that it also when you go into cutscenes or your menu, the face flashes at a, a thing that I don't know what causes seizures, but I'm pretty sure I was close because my eyes hurt real bad. Oh, no. So I did not promote it and stop playing. And I emailed them about it and I've heard nothing back. So I don't know if that's something that would ever be fixed, but I turned it on and it looks real pretty. And my main thing was, oh, I'm going on the road. I'd love to play the Switch version. I got my Switch code like on the airplane last night, but then I saw people, I think, on Reset Error or somewhere else today talking about how Switch version isn't up to snuff right now. That's And that's just scuttlebutt of what I saw. I haven't played it or done it myself. So in general, Javier, not a big Metroidvania guy. I'll, I'll kick the tires on it some more eventually. I want them to fix the face. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those games that I think falls outside of our thing. And that's also one of those things of, I wonder if it falls outside of the purview of IGN and GameStop. Because it was, you know, a hot ticket there in the beginning, right? Of, Ega's back. He's doing a Castlevania-inspired thing. This is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. And then that was, what, 2015? Like, it's yeah. just been a long burn for that game. So for to finally get out, I, I think that that's a game maybe the IGN audience isn't clamoring for in the same way, right? And we've talked about this before of this is why it's great that you can go find your favorite Castlevania streamer, your experts on in those things and have them give you an expert opinion on that game. But like, I wouldn't be able to give you an expert opinion on the game. Should, I like Symphony of the Night, but... Should we call Andy in? Because he's been playing it. Oh, yeah, sure. Is yeah. Andy here? Yeah, I think get so. Him. Andy! Andy! Did he just come in? I, I, Is he going to be all cranky now? Like, uh, probably, probably. Oh, like the pizza from Steve Aoki. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you turn on the, this yeah. mic for him? Number one games journalist, we need you. Uh, JBR was asking, hey, why is nobody at Kind of Funny talking about Bloodstained Ritual of the Night? What do you got for me? Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah? Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, I'll, I'll, like, I'll start off with the negatives. I think like the art's not great. Yeah. But there's so many assets they had to create. There's so many different demons that... Uh, the, the design of the gameplay is fantastic, but you could see where this does look like a Kickstarter game. Yeah. Uh, the backgrounds aren't really nice to look at. Aesthetically, it's just not a very pretty game. Uh, Gameplay-wise and just design-wise, I think it's fucking great. Really? Um, the, uh, the the whole concept of it is that anytime you kill... Th- there's a hundred different demons. I think a hundred. Chat, uh, maybe correct me. Kind of funny that conversation. But I believe there's a hundred different demons, and each one of them has a shard that you can steal from them. So whenever you kill one of these, you are unlocking some sort of power that either they wield... Or if it's a smaller minion, you can uh, unlock their shard to kind of they spawn. You could spawn little smaller minions to attack enemies or whatever. But yeah, every shard uh, has like some sort of gameplay element involved. So I get why it took so fucking long to make this game because it's not a simple game whatsoever. Gotcha. Um, I it, it can get kind of cheesy. I'm playing on normal difficulty. And it can get kind of cheesy because these shards that you unlock can get really OP pretty quickly. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's fun as hell. Uh, the story's just kind of throwaway, whatever. Like, sure. I, but the, ga- I'm not the super gameplay's fun. Yeah, the the gameplay's fantastic. And um, 
one other minor gripe I have with it is the uh, I love a good dodge mechanic. I love Who a good doesn't? dash. You know what I mean, right? And uh, this one just has a back step, which. Everybody who was in my chat is like, oh, yeah, well, most Castlevania games do that. I am coming from some from a history of, like, I didn't play Castlevania games at all. So mm-hmm. I didn't, like, the the idea of a backstep seems kind of like a little bit older of a mechanic for me. I want to be able to dash forward or back or, you know, be able to dodge shit. But it got it's gotten to a point where I'm just using these shard powers and just I'm kind of OP at this point. So, okay. uh, but it's awesome. And I, like, I'm definitely addicted of like you unlock this double jump so that means oh go to those other places you couldn't get to sure. before you know like it's classic metroidvania shit and it's fantastic awesome well thank really you so much Andy. good job good job you get to, you get paid today um uh, from your wrong while that was happening uh j dob 84 says we missed one uh, release date game update hitman 2 has a new map expansion uh for uh expansion pass owners called the bank which takes place in new york so go on and get it ladies and gentlemen uh and then capitalist pig says uh for andy's correction bloodstained demon number uh there are 127 types of enemies in the game of which most of them most of them drop a shard but not all and then Nanobiologist says, to clarify, the bug has not been patched, but the developers have commented on the issue and said PS4, Xbox One issue that is blocking players' progression. This is a long one. Hold on. Uh, we apologize for the bug and thank you for your patience as we investigate. The issue occurs when a new game is started before downloading the 1.02 update. After the update, treasure chest will appear in the incorrect and open close state. Uh, so without the items from these chests, progress is blocked. Players affected by this bug will be required to restart the game with a new save an orderly property progress uh they're still uh, investing in the other options and stuff like that so play xbox one players also affected by this 1.02 patch is delivered next week switch players have a physical copy should download the patch before playing basically get that 1.02 patch and you're gonna be okay new dates for you terminal velocity is launching july 16th on xbox one ps4 switch and pc and then Hayden Taylor at GamesIndustry.biz reports that the Commodore 64 is the latest classic console to receive a re-release. It's going to arrive December 5th, 2019 at a retail price of uh, 120 euros. 110 pounds uh the c64 is a full-size replica complete with the keyboard modernized to work with hd televisions pre-installed on the console will be the c64 classic such as california games uh paradroid and boulder dash uh, along with attack of the mutant camels hover bover idris alpha and grid runner jared petty wherever you are god rest your soul we know you're happy enjoy it I got a press release about a game announcement. I thought it would maybe go under new dates, but it doesn't actually have a date at all. I hate that. Is this the one that's just holiday 2016? No, it doesn't even say that. It's the Bandai release for One Punch Man. Oh, okay. So there's, they're making a One Punch Man game? One Punch Man, a hero nobody knows, coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. There you go. Enjoy yourself. Uh, deals of the day. The Steam Summer Sale is happening. Uh, the one that I saw getting promoted was 60% discount on Double Cross, Joggernauts, and the King's Bird. So, I also saw that Wario64 wrote that Sekiro Shadows Die Twice is on sale on Steam as well. Oh, there you for go. For forty seven right, cool. ninety nine. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, time for reader mail, but let me tell you about our sponsors. First, it's Third Love. Let's get you a better bra, people. Jen, Gia, and more of the kind of honeys love their Third Love bra, and you will too. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for the perfect fit and premium feel. Third Love offers more than 70 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes. Uh, you can skip the trip and find your fit with Third Love's online Fit Finder. Order and try it at home. No more 
awkward fitting room experiences. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, return it, and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. Fit stylists are available every day to help via text, uh, chat, or phone. Returns and exchanges are free and easy. This is hands down the most comfortable bra you'll own with straps that won't slip and tagless labels so there's no itching. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com games now to get your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com games for 15% off today. today, today. Uh, next sponsor is Experian. Uh, you know... The better your credit score, the easier it is to get the stuff you want or the less you have to pay. So the question is, why is it so hard to raise your score? Now it won't be, thanks to Experian. They've launched Experian Boost, a brand new way to instantly increase your credit scores for free. For the first time ever, paying your utilities and cell phone can instantly improve your credit score. Experian Boost works by giving you credit for the bills you've already been paying through your bank account, like water, gas, electric cable, and a cell phone. A higher credit score can help you establish and get access to credit and preferred rates for the things you want and need in life. Experian is on a mission to help boost America's credit score, uh, which will help millions of people across the country build and get better access to credit. People all across America have already raised their credit scores with Experian Boost, and you should too. It used to take months to see your credit score rise a point or two, but with Boost, you can increase your credit scores instantly. Boost is free to use and available only from Experian. Uh, as I said uh, in the ad that I wrote for you guys yesterday, uh, I, two years ago or so, I looked at my credit score and saw I was getting dinged for a credit card I had forgotten about. And let me tell you, it sucked having to build that back up. So this would be helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't believe it's taken this long for someone to do this. Uh, what are you waiting for? Experian Boost can potentially help you establish or increase your access to credit. Boost your FICO score instantly for free. Boost is only available at experian.com slash KF games. That's E X P E R A. Nope. E X P E R I A N dot com slash KF games. Where do I want to go? Hmm. I'm going to start. This is an inside baseball. One. 2038 Pokemon CEO says, Hey Greg, remember APA? And I, at first I thought, of course, Acolyte Protection Agency, WWF back in the day, Attitude Era. He doesn't mean that. He means the style guide. Good times. Should there be a style book for our industry to follow? Do we follow a style book in particular? We have moved towards video, but writing is still the foundation we get most of the source material from. Do you still have a, a habit for writing in APA when collecting show notes or emails? Uh, when working in at IGN, do they follow a specific guideline or keep the site organized or just anything goes? Uh, this was the most maddening thing for me coming from a newspaper was mm-hmm. getting to IGN and finding out there was no style guide. And some of us used, some people used APA, some people used Chicago. I used AP style guide coming I from the Asso- Associated Press. And the amount of times I would see, and this, I'm talking about like 2007 IGN, I'd be proofreading, or not even, nobody even proofread reviews back then. You just put them fucking up. I'd read a review on the site and see OK spelled three different ways. And yep. I'd be like, ah! What I had heard and this is an old story that I have never verified or talked to the man about, but I believe it, is that in the way, way back days, when you and I were just babes, Andrea, uh, Dan Shu started talking to, like, from EGM at the time, talking to Game Informer and IGN and so on and so forth, everybody out there, of like, let's make a video game style guide. Let's make something that we're all on the same page for, for how we talk and like what these words mean and what we're using and stuff like that. And that never happened. And now I feel like 
The industry is so fragmented in so many millions of places, there's no possible way. I would hope that there's a better style guide now. I think, you know, having somebody like to IGN, having somebody like Dan Stapleton running reviews, right? And like laying out, this is what an IGN review looks like and reads like and does that. I would assume is also setting up like, this is the okay we use now. This is how yeah. we spell okay. But I think as you get out even broader that, yeah, it'd be great if there was a video game style guy that we could all agree on and this is what this means and this is what this genre exactly means and how we're going to break it up because that's the other problem too of... Like how do you actually spell esports, right? Egg, oh my God. All lowercase, <laughs> right? That's what we decided on. There's a dash, I think right? it's all lowercase, all one word now is what it is. <laughs> Such a nightmare of figuring this stuff out as we go. But yeah, that's the thing. For the longest, uh, is video games one word or two words? Is it uh, whatever? It's just like, oh yeah. God, I hate it. You know what yeah. I mean? So no, it's all just nightmare, Pokemon. That's what you need to know. And it's never getting better. It's gone. I don't think that it's an impossible task to create a video game style guide. You just need a ringleader to actually do it. Sure. Somebody who is willing to organize and talk to the executive editors at, I would say, maybe like a dozen outlets. Honestly, I think Keely, if Keely tacked it on to, as like a, like a roundtable session to GCA's Judges Week, because yeah. that's mostly all executive editors there anyway. The written word's dead, though. Who cares? Wow. Am I wrong, everybody? Yes, you're wrong. Am it, I wrong? It's not dead, but it's getting there. No, it's 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 a niche product now, yeah. right? It's not, it's not like it no, was before. No, it's not. Websites yeah. get millions of clicks every day on written articles. Yeah, sure, and they read the headline and they yeah. scroll the score. Yeah. Wow. It's true. Thanks. It's sad. Yeah, you've been there. You know what's up there. You know it better than me probably now. Yeah. I've strolled all the way down to your Arkham Origins review. Didn't read it. See, there it is. Yeah, it's because you two are monsters. It's true. No, nobody's denying <laughs> that. Come on, man. I got things to do. Just read the headline. I got all the information on. Man, we had a lot of good questions today, and I feel we like did. I want to. I want to get as many in as I can. Where do I want to go there? BJ, your three wishes. One is good. I'll try to remember for tomorrow. I'm gonna put a T on it for tomorrow. Um, Brian Scola wrote in and said, "Hey, Greg and Andrea, what's with all the hate for The Witcher Three on Nintendo Switch? I see memes all over the interweb spoken fun at The Witcher's resolution on Switch or how FPS will be unbearable. I mean, I get that we can't make everyone happy, but isn't this like you always say things? Like, but isn't but isn't this like you always say with things like Switch or Stadia? If it's good enough, it's good enough. Uh, for those gaming on a Switch, we'll most likely have another console. I do. And so does Tim. That's why PlayStation VR has been a success. And why, you know, the other ones didn't take off. Now until Quest. But don't even get started on how much I love Quest. And I plan on double dipping on Witcher 3 because it's good enough and I can play it anywhere. And for me, with my busy schedule, travel and kids, it's a lot more than good enough. What say you? Greg, it was great to finally meet you at the kind of funny NYC meet and greet after your Starbucks pee break, as brief as it was. Lol. It's great meeting you too. I think this is different strokes, different folks. Sure. Some people really, really, really care about resolution, and they're probably playing on a high-end gaming PC. Sure. Some people do not care at all. Hi, it's Greg. How you doing? Right, and so I, I p could have predicted that people were going to complain about The Witcher's resolution on Switch because Switch is not a powerful piece of hardware that can push really impressive graphics, particularly for a game that's ported and not designed specifically for Switch, right? Like, I think we always look at Breath of the Wild as a standout piece of software that really showcases what the Switch is capable of from a graphics perspective, but the art style of Breath of the Wild those. was also, like, tailored specifically for <laughs> for Switch. So I've, I, this is not a surprising story. And also, I mean, like... If you're shocked that The Witcher 3 had terrible resolution on the Switch, you're just not paying attention. <laughs> Isn't it also just like the internet wants to hate everything? 
Yeah. Right. I mean, this was. I remember when they said Skyrim is coming to Switch, and that these were the same things. And yeah. then the people who played Skyrim on Switch seem happy with it. I don't know. I didn't. Exactly. I it's, downloaded it and never used it. It's the same it. thing with Doom 2016 when they yeah. were, you know, we're talking about that or Wolfenstein coming to Switch. It's like you know that it's not going to look the best it could possibly look on Switch. If I hadn't been coming home that Friday that I was, I started Doom mm-hmm. on Switch. I'd still be playing it because, especially with Quebec, I would have still been playing it. But I was like home, and I was like, oh well, now I just want to play on PlayStation Four. Yeah, like the text is hurting my eyes in Doom. Yeah, yeah. and that's my concern with The Witcher. And I know they've we talked about it while I was gone. Uh, you know, how, the inventory is going to be really different because you mm-hmm. have to look at it. I'm excited to play The Witcher on Switch because I travel so much, and I I love the idea of a really long, awesome game. Even though I'm playing one now that I'm going to talk about on Gamescast that I'm kind of getting obsessed with. Like ridiculously, mm. yeah. I don't want. I don't want to do it. If you check the kind of funny subreddit, though, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I but for me, it is a good enough is good enough thing. Of like, yep, I know it's gonna not be the best looking version of The Witcher. Now, if it's unplayable and framey garbage and like combats, then I'm not gonna play it. Right. But if it's just like, yeah, like it doesn't look as good, but it's still the same game, and I have all the con. All right, cool. I'm gonna run around and play, enjoy myself. Yeah. Why not? Stop hating everything, guys. Yeah, Can you, we have if, some fun? If resolution's important to you. Maybe don't play games on Nintendo Switch. Also, a great point. Michael Gulliver is going to close out the chat today. Andrea Renee. Okay. He writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games just like you can. It says happy Monday. Oh, this is a Monday question, but I, you guys didn't cross it out. You didn't we, do this one, right? We did do this one. It wasn't crossed out. Frank, uh, Frank can go to hell. That's no, that's probably my I'm, fault. No, then. I'm blaming Frank. Okay. It's I'm Frank's blaming fault. Frank. We did answer Michael's then question yesterday. Then boards in zero zero <laughs> gets to close out this show as Michael Gulliver packs his bag and goes to fuck off island. <laughs> Borison says, good morning, Greg and Andrea. The rumor mills are spinning and might be going a bit bananas, if you ask me. I'm talking about the current Ape Escape rumors being flung around. If this rumor is true, that means Sony has three beloved first-party series being remade or rebooted right now. Medieval, Patapon 2, and Ape Escape. <laughs> All right, even I'm Mr. Patapon. Let's not... Well, it, that's it not the exact that same thing that's happening there. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Medieval is from the ground up. Ape Escape will be from the ground up. Mm. Patapon's like, let's make this. First off, the game's made. Let's just keep it on ice forever. Mm. What are you hiding, Shuhei? I digress. Back to Borzin. But is this a good move by Sony? Uh, I am all for remakes, but Sony has not been the quickest at getting these out. Uh, Medieval and Patapon 2 were announced at the end of 2017, and we're still... And we are going to see Medieval finally in October, and Patapon 2 is still coming, right? Will we ever see Ape Escape, or will it become vaporware and never come out? If you have no idea what we're talking about, let's kick it over to Eurogamer, where Vicky Blake writes, Ape Escape might be making a comeback. Emphasis on the word might, though. As the celebrated game marks its 20th anniversary this year, uh, Shuhei Yoshida was kicking around an Ape Escape uh, PS4 theme I saw over the weekend. Uh, Twitter account at PipOsoru. 20th, uh, which somewhat suspiciously only signed up for the social media platform earlier this month, is wondering if anyone is chasing them anymore. It's an image. It's like an HD image of an ape escape guy in the woods. Uh, Usually we steer clear of newly and wholly unverified Twitter accounts, but what makes this particularly interesting is that developer Sony Japan Studios' own Twitter account, which is verified and only follows 53 users, recently added it to its follow list. Hmm. Hmm. Curiouser and curiouser. Given the official Ape Escape website was recently updated for the first time in years and Sony has demonstrated an interest in reviving a number of its retro franchises, such as Medieval, lately, it's very possible Ape Escape is the next on this list. Watch this space. Whatever. Cool, man. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, Cra- Crash Bandicoot came out and hit and just destroyed and everybody's like, fuck. We need batten down the hatches, get mm-hmm. them all out there, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale 2 eventually. Ugh. Um... I, I, yes, based on the report and the social media and the website and 
I totally believe it. I totally believe they're doing some new Ape Escape thing. Hats off to you if you care about Ape Escape. Andrew, you care about Ape Escape? Do not. Barrett, you care about Ape Escape? Uh, no. And I'm like, my persona is like half about like dumb 90s, early 2000s nostalgia. And this does not do it for me. I think Apescape falls into the same medieval thing where whenever we talk about medieval, Kevin is the only person in the office. Like, he's like, oh my God, <gasps> yeah. And it's like, cool. I know there's fans out there. I know they're going to do their thing. The game is not going to be juggernaut success like Crash was. Whatever. Crash was lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Like trying to bring back a bunch of 90s franchises in attempts to replicate the sales success of that series is, is I don't want to say futile because I mean, go for it. You know, if you want, you'll sure. probably sell some games, but trying to replicate it is a little bit fooey. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to squad up. This is where one of you writes in. The kind of funnies Patreon, kindoffunny.com slash Patreon. Patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Give me your name, username, platform of choice, why you need help in a video game. None of you did it today, so we're going straight to required reading. Nobody did it yesterday either. They just don't want to squat up anymore. I it's guess. fine. It's all they're all playing that Harry Potter game up there, catching their wizards. <laughs> they're out there saying, Hey, 15 points for Gryffindor! <laughs> required reading over at gamesindustry.biz. Christopher Dring has Saving Fallout 76. It's a long interview with Pete Hines talking about all of this. I'm going to read the first two paragraphs and then an extra quote. Uh, Bethesda's Senior Vice President of Global Marketing and Communications, Pete Hines, says there was never any other choice than to keep going with Fallout 76. Quote, it's just in our DNA, he says. I appreciate there might be folks who are tempted to throw up their hands and call it quits, but that's just not how we're wired. We believed in it. The fact that it didn't go away... The fact that it didn't go the way we expected and it had issues that maybe we should have foreseen and should have planned for doesn't mean we didn't believe in it. I'm sorry. We didn't believe in what the game was and could become, end quote. Then there's another quote from the article. Uh, We're trying to offer up more transparency and communication and being more visible than we used used to be in Bethesda Game Studios. Interesting read. I'm still making my way through it, Uh, but it's interesting to see them open up about Fallout 76, right? And really admit some of their the shortcomings they had and what they messed up, screwed up, and how they're trying to fix it as they go forward. Also, there's a patch out for 76 today that I didn't put in new dates. Nothing like major, but bug fixes. Andrea, Mm -hmm. we asked people watching live on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames to go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Tell us what we screw up when we screw it up Uh, today. Nanobiologist reports uh, RTX in the past has cut streams to show exclusive sneak peeks and trailers and episodes. From your talk about the RTX backlash, it sounded like they show everything on the stream normally. Cool, fair, good correction. Um, Cyber, uh, this is Nanobiologist again. Cyberpunk 2077 is specifically based on Cyberpunk 2020. Fun fact: a digital manual of the game comes with the base version of 2077. Neat. Oh. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. This has been kind of funny games daily. If you like this show, subscribe to YouTube, subscribe to the Patreon, support us all over the place. You know how it is. There's podcasts out there. Listen to them, rate them. You only watch on one place. Subscribe in the other. It's just a number. Who cares? Tomorrow, it's going to be me and Gary Witta. Thursday, it's me and Andrea Renee. Friday, mm-hmm. it's me and Tim Geddes. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. <laughs>